Welcome to The Source, investments podcast covering trends and insights in institutional investing, and where we get to sit down with people across the industry to get their take on trends and best practices. Today's episode is part two of our conversation with Dennis Hammond, head of institutional investments at Verity Management. The first part of our conversation with Dennis revolved around how he approaches ESG with his clients. In this episode, we talked to Dennis about research he's done regarding endowment performance over a nearly 60-year period relative to a simple 60-40 stock and bond portfolio. Dennis's findings show the average endowment has lagged a 60-40 benchmark, and he talks about the factors impacting that performance. His research is one of several recent studies around performance of endowments that have spurred debate about the impact of things like alternatives and private equity in those portfolios. And as you can imagine, there are findings and support on both sides of the fence. Regardless of where you sit, it's still vital for investors to select the best managers and to hold those managers accountable. More than 750 institutional investors across the globe use investment every day to do just that. To find out more about how investment can help you select the best managers and hold them accountable, or for the managers out there looking to get in front of those investors, contact us at solutions at investment.com. Now let's jump in to hear from Dennis. So I want to stick on the endowment topic for a bit and switch gears a little bit to another paper that uh, you've put out talking just about the performance from endowments over a 58-year period and just ask you to kind of talk more about that study. I'd be happy to. Uh, Remember, during the last 30 years of this 58-year period, I was an endowment consultant. So all of my comments apply to me as well as anybody else who's been in this business. The way endowment performance is reported is self-reported data. It's collected by NACUBO, National Association of College and University Business Officers, and it's reported in a study every year. That study typically shows performance for one, three, five, and 10-year periods. Never goes back to 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, that sort of thing. So I went digging in the Nakubo archives and I actually found data going back to uh, the beginning of fiscal year 1961. <laughs> so we have data from 62, fiscal 62, mm-hmm. all the way through, uh, well, right now, fiscal 2020, which has 59 years of performance by endowments. And I, I separate those into uh, large, average, and small. And the point was simply this, how have endowments performed relative to their most meaningful objectives? There are two sets, there's internal objectives and external. The internal objectives are their annual return need. How much money do I have to make in order to keep the school doors open? My, my long-term return objective, how much money would I like to make over and above my annual return need to, uh, to have a buffer for future inflation? In other words, I want to have a real growth in my portfolio. Mm. Usually that's about 50 basis points. And finally, I threw in one last um, external objective for which I've gotten a lot of heat by the way. Uh, back in 1968, 69, Harvard, Princeton, and Yale had come up with this notion among them that, that they should invest uh, using a 60-40 approach, uh, meaning that 60% of their assets would be basically in large cap U.S. stocks and 40% in U.S. bonds. 
this was uh, moving away from the old income approach only, which people thought they had to uh, use. Now, since that time, we've had all kinds of new ideas come up. Uh, you know, people decided they wanted to invest in small stocks. People wanted to invest in international stocks. They wanted to invest in stocks in countries you wouldn't want to take a vacation in. They wanted to uh, invest in stocks called the BRICS. And then we then we had all the non-traditional, you know, derivatives of stocks. And so you have hedge funds and private equity and private uh, venture capital and so forth and so on. So now we go along and we have all these different asset mixes and tons of really smart managers trying to manage all that, uh, all that for really smart guys on the consulting side and in the endowments. And the question simply was, well, look, we started with a 60-40 mix. And along the short of it is the 60-40 mix is pretty much dumb as a brick. You know, it doesn't read the newspaper. It doesn't have an investment committee. It doesn't have a consultant. It rebalances once a year. I mean, my kids could do it, right? So the question is, um, well, how did the schools do against that? And everybody, when you ask them, they go, well, look, that, I don't wanna talk about that. What I wanna talk, look at the other hand. Over here on the other hand, I'd like you to look at all the things I've actually done because I did internationals, I did small caps, and I wanna be measured against all those things. And my comment was simply, well, okay, sure, you, you should measure yourself against a variety of benchmarks, but it seems reasonable to me to measure ourselves against this kind of early traditional benchmark because all the movement away from that should be either, should be adding value to it, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we should do better than that, that because of uh, the value added we're bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. And the long and short of it is, didn't work out that way. Over the last 58 years, the average endowment has made 8.1% annualized. During that period of time, the average endowment had an average return need, which is the inflation. We use HEPI, Higher Education Price Index for inflation, plus their spending rate. So net of cost. So they have an average return need of 9.7 for 58 years. So what does that tell you? It means we've underperformed our annual return need by about 160 basis points a year for 58 years, compounded. Ouch. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of dough. Over the last 46 years, it's been a little better. It, it goes, it gets wider and narrower depending on decades, but it's, it's still a problem. Obviously, if they underperform their annual return need, they also underperform their long-term return need because it's a higher number by definition. Uh, and then relative to that 60-40 mix, you know, the dumbest brick guy, uh, the dumbest brick guy earned 9.1% instead of 8.1% over that 58 years. 100 basis points more over 58 years, compounded. It's like, how'd they do that? So. What we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do is, is not embarrass anybody, but simply to say, okay, that's the way it worked out. How can we do a better job? What were the, what were the cost of underperformance? And uh, what were the sources of underperformance? And I think if we can think through those sorts of issues, maybe we can create a better portfolio uh, going forward for endowments and foundations. To put this in some, with some sort of a, 
quantitative uh, framework. Let's pretend you were an endowment at the end of 1973, fiscal year 73. So June of 73, you're an endowment, you have a hundred million bucks. And now we're gonna fast forward to fiscal year, uh, June of 19, 2019. Let's pretend like you didn't give a dime away, you didn't spend a dime, and nobody gave you any money. Mm -hmm. So it's a closed set. So the only thing that's gonna change is the compounding of the average return goal for the endowments. And I compared that to the compounding that would come with the 60-40 mix. And so for the 46 year period from uh, 73 through 2019, for a $100 million starting portfolio, the difference is two billion bucks. In other words, the the 60-40 portfolio earned 42% more, compounded at 42% higher dollars, and the difference is two billion dollars. So is that significant? Well, yeah, it's it's significant, um, and 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 it you know over time it becomes really significant. You know, it's meaningful. So. The question is, okay, what should we do better? There, with a 100 basis point gap between the average return of endowments and the average return of the 60-40, one of the easiest and simplest ways to uh, you know, kind of make up some part of that gap is to reduce your cost. Uh, on average, endowments are spending some, according to some of the academics, somewhere between 120 and 170 basis points in cost especially if they're involved in the higher costing investments such as private investments, mm -hmm. private equity, venture capital, uh, for whom the costs are something like 6% of the asset value a year. Two and 20 is really expensive. Um, so one way to, to solve the problem is find ways to simplify your cost. Another way is to find ways to simplify your asset mix. And finally, simplifying your investment managers, you know, picking those guys who you're very confident will do a great job for you. And there's lots of them out there. Um, unfortunately, the average active manager is not going to do that for you. The average active manager underperforms by the amount of his fees. He, he has to. We, we've seen that uh, from Bill Sharp, who won the Nobel Prize. So in the arithmetic of active management, that's the way it works. But there are managers, and that's what your database helps provide the solutions to. There are managers who actually can add value uh -huh. and do so net of fees. So it becomes critical to watch your cost, watch your asset mix, and make certain that the managers are uh, the, right, the right ones. I would conclude by saying is that uh, the portfolio design is critical. Uh, costs are critical. Simplifying asset mixes and investment manager rosters are is really important. And uh, people will will want to spend time thinking through uh, where their value is coming from. And I think costs need to be kept at the lowest possible levels because that's the easiest way to gain back performance. You can find a link to Dennis's research in the summary of this episode. As I mentioned in the beginning, a key takeaway here for me is that it's still vital for investors to select the best managers, and once selected, to hold those managers accountable. 
More than 750 institutional investors across the globe use investment to research and monitor managers. And related to our topic today, 79 of those are endowments. To find out more about how investment can help you select the best managers and hold them accountable, and for the managers looking to get out in front of those investors, contact us at solutions at investment.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Mm-hmm.